Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the third day of August, almost said July, 2022. Welcome to it. Happy to hell to Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. I swear to God, I am not inebriated. Well, not that inebriated. More so, not any more so than usual. Let's just leave it at that and maintain the mystery. I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for that. We only grow, and we are growing for some weird reason. Because of you guys. It's not my motor mouth. It's your guys is talking in your ears of your friends and your family. So, Dankeschön. Zer net gemal. I don't know what that last part means. Thank you so much, though. All right. Uh, don't forget to go to register at patreon.com slash Podcast or at derekhunter.locals.com to get in on the contest this week it is who is it it's dan quayle former vice president of the united states these united states and versus kurt schlichter autographed books every single week we give away an autographed book so you go there you enter and uh, you have a chance to win the odds are slightly better than winning the lottery but you know the payoff is much greater much greater reward. So I appreciate everybody who you also get the weekend F and review and all sorts of bonus material. I got to add, upload some, some more pictures of the kids and stuff soon. I got too many of them on my phone, so we can do that as well. You get all that stuff. If you, you join up and support the program. All right, enough pitch. We uh, have a lot going on. There's a ton of stuff to talk about. We have to start off with the big breaking news last night, the president of the United States, Announced the death of a terrorist. Another terrorist. You know, what's weird is um, <clears throat> I was told that the terrorists were out of Afghanistan. Well, I mean, not the Taliban, but the rest of the terrorists. I was told that we could safely leave in the haphazard, stupid way that we did because... Joe Biden had defeated all the terrorists. And now you got the leader of Al-Qaeda hanging out, not even like in the rural, but look, if, if Afghanistan's a fairly large country, not exactly modern, lots of corners and nooks and crannies to hide in. But that uh, Zawahiri was hanging out just outside of Kabul, like in a suburb of Kabul. I, I'm, I'm not thinking that I'm thinking that our president maybe wasn't uh, up to speed on what was going on over there. Maybe somebody was less than honest with good old Joe or what have you. Or he's just full of it. He's just full of it. It's more than likely he's just full of it. But they did kill Ayman al-Zawahiri in a very cool way. We got to give our CIA props for that. They dropped a uh, projectile on it. It was a kinetic weapon, meaning there was no explosives as a part of it, which, you know, is risky. You got to have some pretty damn good aim to be able to hit somebody without an explosive. They, they, they were very proud of the fact that, oh, we killed him, but there was no civilian deaths. Nobody else was killed alone. He's in there with his family, right? His family knows who he is. 
any friends who happen to be in there with him know who he is, know what he does. Anybody visiting with him, anybody guarding him or whatever, any security, whatever, they know what he is. Kill them all. Kill them all, but they haven't killed any. I don't really care. If you're hanging out with terrorists, if you're hanging out with literal murdering terrorists, that's one of the risks. I don't care how, maybe they got really good food at their house. And you go, well, let's go to the Zawahiri. We've been invited to Zawahiri's for dinner today. I don't know. There's a at least a 20% chance that the entire house will blow up while we're in there. So you have to weigh that part of the uh, decision as to whether or not you want to go over there and uh, have the tabbouleh. That's super good. The sh- well, nobody makes shawarma like Mrs. Zawahiri number five or however many wives he had. But part of the decision-making process has to be there's a 20% chance of raining hellfire from the sky from the United States because we're going to have dinner or hang out with the leader of Al-Qaeda. Right? But no, they they took great pains to kill him. Now, like I said, they killed him in a very cool way. It's reportedly an RX-9 missile, Hellfire missile armed with long blades. It is essentially flying six samurai swords that also have, you know, some weight behind them because they're coming from the tens of thousands of feet up in the sky. So they do some damage to the structure, but they their main source of killing is either landing on you or landing close enough to you that one of the several feet long blades, six apparently off the sides of it, uh, chops you up. And at that speed from that height, probably chops you in half. You're likely only going to get hit by one of the blades. So it'll probably chop you literally in half from top to bottom, not side to side. Not like you've seen it. Not like happened to Darth Maul in uh, the lightsaber fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi. But straight up and down, more like what happened to uh, Jack Davenport in the beginning of uh, The Kingsman. Why do I know all these names and think of all the times that people have been chopped together and chopped apart in the screen? I don't know, but these are what happened to me when I start talking about this and start thinking about it. But you sit there and you drop it. It's awesome. There's no massive explosion. There's no crater. Theoretically, it would, if we had sent people in there to test the DNA, would make DNA readily available. If it's an explosion, you got to go, I don't know, is that red paint? Is that Kool-Aid or is that blood? Let's swab it and we'll figure it out later. Whereas if you just chop somebody in half long ways, you go, hey, there's his right side. Yeah, that's him. Let's uh, let's grab a chunk and get out of here. <laughs> Very cheery. Th- I mean, it's a horror. One of the worst human beings ever to walk on the planet. So who honestly cares? Uh, my biggest complaint is that he didn't suffer enough. It happened so quickly he didn't suffer enough. But again, I would have blown up the whole house because... I don't know. It seems to me like the kids of terrorists are likely to become terrorists. Uh, the spouses of terrorists shouldn't get off scot-free. Oh, yes, I know women are not free over there, but they're free enough to to get the hell away from their husbands if they're terrorist leaders, if they wanted to. And anybody who was in the house, like, hanging out with, you hang out with Hitler and somebody tries to, 
pull an Operation Valkyrie on you and blow up the house, that's the risk you take. But it's a good thing that he's dead. And somebody woke up Joe Biden from his uh, second round of COVID. I swear, that Paxlovid, it doesn't seem to do very much. I have a story says that the failure rate is about 40%. But damn if Pfizer isn't raking in the billions of dollars. Is Hunter Biden, has anybody checked to see if Hunter Biden's on the board of Pfizer? So I think that's something we really have to look into, given how much their uh, horrible products are failing in the fight of COVID. Yet the government just keeps, they've given them a printing press, it seems like. Here, here's a printing press for money. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, in the midst of his second round of COVID, and there's a possibility, you know, in fairness to Joe, that his body, since it is suffering from dementia, simply forgot that he'd already had COVID and uh, got it again. Just forgot. Short-term memory being what it is in people suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever it is. They propped him up on the uh, veranda there at the White House Nice background of traffic noise there as Joe spoke. But, uh, I mean, the light, the bright lights made it hard to see the strings that were working the marionette Joe Biden. So I guess that was necessary. And one thing I'll tell you about Joe. In this clip, this is how he starts off. Now, I don't understand why government does what it does, Republican or Democrat. I don't get it when they sit there and say the president's going to make a big announcement at 7.30. Okay, what is it? Oh, we're not going to say. It's 3.30 now, but by 7.30, the president will make a big announcement. Well, there's no suspense anymore because within 20 minutes, everybody's like, oh, they got Zawahiri. They got Zawahiri. That's what the president's going to report. Why the hell don't they just have the president come out and say it? What's the difference between being live at 7.30 and being live at 3.30? You have the element of surprise. You have the element of being able to announce it to the world without the world already knowing and going, all right, we don't even have to watch anymore or care what he says. We know what he's going to say. Probably takes that long to get him animated, get him reanimated, get him uh, moving around, brief him up on what's going on. So they had like four hours to get Joe's act together. And apparently in that time, no one bothered to brief the president on how to pronounce Zawahiri. Even me, average intelligence, dyslexia, not good with names in any way, shape, or form. If you listen to the show regularly, you put like four consonants together in a row, and I am lost, and I don't even try. It's just not worth trying. I can look at Zawahiri, Z-A-W-A-H-I-R-I, Zawa and Hiri, right? I got that one. Pretty simple. The president of the United States, who at the beginning of this is, I gave the order. I did. He didn't give the order. He was probably informed yesterday. It was over the weekend and they waited until Monday evening to tell anybody. They didn't go in and get DNA testing to prove that it was like they there was nothing they were waiting on. But uh, just waiting for him to have a coherent enough moment, I suppose, to go out and read the teleprompter. And he didn't bother to learn how to pronounce it. Now, this reminds me of when he introduced his secretary of health and human services, Javier Bacaria. 
Why did he say Bakaria instead of Becerra? Because it's spelled Bakaria if you don't notice that the first name is Javier. If you don't notice that the guy is Hispanic, you go, well, just phonetically, it's Bakaria. That's what we're dealing with here. So listen to him announce it. He makes sure to take credit. He stresses that because that was probably in bold print and caps lock on the teleprompter. And then he just kind of runs out of gas almost immediately in trying to pronounce Zawahiri. The second time he goes back in to say Zawahiri again, it's even worse than the first time when he tries to pronounce this name. Now you're, you're telling me that this guy has A, the energy, and B, had the wherewithal to order this hit? Who's Zawari? Zawar, what? We're hitting Zendaya? The girl from the Spider-Man movies? What did she do? My fellow Americans, on Saturday, at my direction, the United States successfully concluded an airstrike in Kabul, Afghanistan, that killed the Emir of Al-Qaeda, Iman al-Zawiri. You know, Zawiri was uh, bin Laden's leader. He was with him all the, the whole time. He was his number two man, his deputy. He's his number two man, his deputy. I'm on Amon, the emir. I've never heard the leader of a terrorist organization referred to as an emir. It's an official, you know, leadership position with respect. Like, here is the emir of this country. And uh, emir of Al-Qaeda. I'm in Zawiri. Zawiri? Zawiri. Where the hell do you get Zawiri from Z-A-W-A-H-I-R-I? Zawiri. <laughs> oh, you may get Zawiri, and ladies, they do get Zawiri. Try a little tenderness or a kinetic weapon drop from 30,000 feet. Anybody believe this guy's in charge? Anybody believe this guy has his faculties about him? Anybody believe this guy? Would you would you pick him to be on your bar trivia team? If if the category, if the subject, if the topic of the bar league was, or if he's your phone a friend on uh, on how, who wants to be a millionaire? I don't even know if that's still on anymore. But if he's your phone a friend, and the category literally is the life of Joe Biden, I don't think you'd call him. Because he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't know his own life. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Like I sat in uh, that uh, Montgomery prison cell with with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. when I was a kid. I'll tell you that much. I let him pet my leg hair. I bet that's the kind of stuff he wakes up in the middle of the night, sort of talking. That's get that gets him a a nice elbow to the ribs from from Doctor Jill. At least he's married to a doctor, so he's got medical attention ready at the ready. But yeah, it's a good thing that Zohiri is dead. It's a bad thing that we have a president who is uh, unaware of what's going on around him and in the world. And uh, they only reanimate him to come out and do quick appearances, quick hits. And then they send him back to the crypt or the Matlock box set or whatever the hell it is that he does all day. Because it sure as hell isn't... The guy's been involved in... He was alive when 9-11 happened. Zawahiri was the number two then. Zawahiri is the number one now. He's been around a while. 
There's no way Joe Biden in his younger days, in the days when he still had brain cells, had not heard about Ayman al-Zawahiri. And he goes, Zawiri, Zawadi, Zahui? What? I don't know. I'm going back to bed. It's a Blanche episode on Golden Girls. Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taiwan. That's good news. The bad news is she'll return to the United States after this. So, I mean, it's not all good news. Yes, Nancy Pelosi is currently in Taiwan. She landed there. Allegedly, uh, the Chinese communists dispatched fighter jets towards the Taiwan. It flew across the Taiwan Straits, according to Newsweek. We don't know. Let's see, uh, Chinese SU-35 fighter jets crossed the straits moments before House Speaker Nancy Pelosi landed in Taipei, Taiwan on Tuesday, according to People's China Daily, or People's Daily China. I'm not sure I trust the Chinese. I'm not sure it matters. Like I say and have been saying, this is all about saber-rattling. This is China's action is for domestic consumption only this is kabuki theater and you sit there and you go why the hell does anybody care who goes to taiwan they don't really in the grand scheme of things it doesn't change anything the biden administration will still likely sell out taiwan in the end it's just who they are it's their nature and they're ready to kowtow to it they're unhappy that nancy pelosi went there they have to pretend to be unhappy because the chinese communists might be upset about it like oh we didn't want her to go but she's there and she's allowed to go spare me all that crap right she should be able to go there she's an american citizen damn it she is the speaker of the house damn it taiwan is our ally damn it china is our enemy Do we want to go to war with China? Not particularly, but should we give China everything it wants because we don't want to go to war with China? No, that's the surest way to go to war with China. Look at appeasement's history. Just think of Neville Chamberlain. Oh, you just want a little piece of this and a little piece of check. All right, fine, you can have it. Well, okay, peace in our time. Yay, a piece of paper. Let's flap that around in the wind at the airport. Uh, It didn't work out. It didn't work out because you show weakness to your enemies and uh, they pick up on it and they act accordingly. It's sad that Nancy Pelosi has uh, more uh, testicular fortitude, shall we say, than the president of the United States. Maybe there is an argument to be made about the trans issue. Who knows? Maybe Nancy Pelosi's a, a trans man, certainly more of a man than in the classical sense, than Joe Biden is. So good for her for going over there and, uh, you know, telling the Chinese, you don't get to control us. You don't get to control the whole world. Sorry about that, but go to hell. You are not in charge. They should not be in charge. They should not be, They, you know, frankly... To be honest with you, Joe Biden should go over there or Joe Biden should meet someplace in Asia with the uh, prime minister of Taiwan. He should. To tell China to go to hell without telling China to go to hell. 
what will the response be? Oh, no, the world is bracing for a response from China. Uh, they're going to continue, I suppose, to uh, commit genocide against the Uyghurs. They're going to continue to um, devalue their currency to undercut the dollar. They're going to try and uh, team up with Russia. They're going to work with our enemies. They're going to do everything they can to embarrass us. They're going to wage a subtle generally nonviolent war against the United States in the hopes of overtaking us economically. They'll continue to buy up U.S. farmland without any concern from our government ever getting their act together and pulling their end, head out of their rear end and saying, no, we're not going to sell you our farmland. To hell with you. Get out. Sell this land back or we're seizing this land. It's pretty simple. That's what China does to U.S. companies. Sell us this thing, manufacture your stuff here, do your bidding here, or else we'll just steal your patent and make your product ourselves. And then they go ahead and steal their patent and make the product themselves anyway. Where do you think the world's counterfeit goods come from? Not just money, they're in that business as well, but that's mostly from Iran and North Korea. But in the counterfeit products racket, comes from China. So for once in my life, and perhaps the only time in my life, I will say good on Speaker Pelosi for saying to hell with all of you people. I'm going there. China screwed up by trying to make this into a thing. They could have ignored it and nobody would have paid any attention because in the grand scheme of things, the Speaker of the House has no authority when it comes to foreign policy. She can't cut any deals. She's not out there doing anything. There's not going to be any major breakthrough or announcement coming from the, There's just nothing she can do. It is purely and totally symbolic. But the symbolism, the symbol that it's giving is a big old middle finger right at Xi Jinping in Beijing. And frankly, given how these people have caused a worldwide pandemic, devastated the economy, refused to cooperate in any investigation into the origins of COVID and are likely still advancing on the project that not only created COVID, but will likely create something much worse than COVID and so haphazardly release it again into the world. These people need to have that middle finger shoved in their faces and perhaps shoved in other places that are less than pleasant. So if the president of the United States can't or won't do it, I'm glad the Speaker of the House is there to do it. It's the only time I'll ever say that I'm glad that Nancy Pelosi exists I'm not sure if Kevin McCarthy would have done this. It would have been nice, actually, and much better if Kevin McCarthy had gone with Nancy Pelosi. Could you imagine the big F.U. middle finger that would be given to China if both the Republican and Democrat leader in the House of Representatives had gotten off that plane? For whatever reason, that didn't happen. But at least somebody is there rather than Joe bowing to Beijing and preemptively apologizing for any offense we may have caused. The purpose is when somebody's threatening you with war and threatening to shoot down, they may shoot down the Speaker of the House and the President of the United States through his spokesmodels are saying, oh, we don't want them to be needlessly provocative instead of 
I don't know who the hell these people think they are, but they'd better learn that that is not acceptable. And if they even come too close, we'll happily shoot them out of the sky. To hell with them. That should have been the response. Oh, but that's so provocative. Yeah, it is. Every once in a while, you have to threaten to bloody somebody's nose. What's the point in having the world's strongest military ever if you're going to exist in a beaten dog posture? If you're going to exist in a, geez, sorry about this sort of way. No way. Absolutely not. Now they're sitting out there, the People's Liberation Army, the Chinese communists are saying, the Chinese People's Liberation Army will launch a series of targeted military operations to counter this. Resolutely defend national sovereignty and territorial integrity and resolutely thwart external interference. These people are delusional. The Biden administration is kowtowing to them. We should be getting ourselves closer to Taiwan. We're desperately in need of the products they produce. Make Taiwan a state. Or at least try and steal all of their business before China takes them back. If you're going to sit idly by and let China take them back, we need to get the semiconductor business out of there first, or else we're really screwed. But Joe Biden is too worried about the heat. Yeah, we're screwed. The president is trying to seem like a tough guy for having dropped a samurai sword on a guy at 30,000 feet, while at the same time looking at China and going, please don't uh, do anything mean. We're super duper sorry. Sorry about that. We can't control Nancy. We preferred that she didn't go. We tried to get her not to go, but you know how these women are. You know how these women are. Sorry about that. I want to play just a quick clip. Uh, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. I don't have I mentioned that she's historic. She's historic. She's totally historic. She is the uh, she is black and she is gay and she is an immigrant. Three times historic. It's like historic, historic, historic. She sucks at her job so bad that when there's actually something going on in the world where people need information and questions answered, not just some idiot flipping through a book going, uh, nobody's updated this page yet, so I don't have anything for you. Nobody's told me what to say, so I don't know. I don't have any, I don't pay attention or even attend meetings. When they have something that's going on in the world where adults need to be in charge, they bring in somebody else. Actually, this is uh, one of many, many, many times that they've brought in somebody else because Karine Jean-Pierre is so awful at her job that uh, they need to bring in backup. And they brought in retired Admiral John Kirby from over at the State Department to answer questions. And he, he is, boy, he is ready, willing, and able to debase himself at a moment's notice. I guess this is how you advance in a liberal military. But now that he's retired, I guess it doesn't really matter. Listen to him. He makes clear. He's sucking up to China. Please, China. We don't want Taiwan to be independent. We don't like an independent Taiwan. If Taiwan broke and said it's independent, declared its independence, we might invade to make sure that it is not independent. Please, for the love of God, love us, China. Love it's 
Not what he says, but it's the subtext. Repeatedly said that we oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo from either side. We have said that we do not support Taiwan independence, and we have said that we expect cross-strait differences to be resolved by peaceful means. Yeah, we don't support Taiwan independence. We don't support Taiwan independence. Shut up. Stop trying to be free, Taiwanese. Personally, we get a lot, all the chip shortages that we're having. If you're trying to buy a car now, you're trying to buy anything with a, that needs a microchip. It is, um, it's a good chance that chip will eventually, if it ever gets here, come from Taiwan. You give that power to China, then you've just ceded everything. Oh, I know. They just passed the chip act here. Yeah, it was a, a hundreds of billions of dollars. I'll believe it when I see it, that this thing isn't a corrupt boondoggle to Democrat donors. We'll see. But you just look at the Karine Jean-Pierre. There's no reason Karine Jean-Pierre, super historic, couldn't have handled what John Kirby did yesterday, except for the fact that she sucks at her job. She really does suck at her job. Fox News has a story on this. Uh, yesterday, when White House reporters have uh, recently convened in the James S. Brady press briefing room, it's likely that Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre has had a second person fielding questions. Jean-Pierre has been criticized for a variety of things during her first few months at the podium as her unforced stumbles and tendency to stick to the binder have been put under a microscope. But one thing she can't be panned for is her unbridled willingness to share the spotlight. <laughs> Since the start of her tenure on May 16th through the end of last week, Jean-Pierre has conducted 38 total press briefings and gaggles with reporters. Of those times, she fielded questions, 25 of them, or 66%, came with at least a second person joining her at the microphone. Meaning the mouthpiece of the President of the United States, the mouthpiece of the White House, has no idea what the hell she's talking about. So what does she do? She brings in reinforcements. Here, uh, I'll read you this thing from the binder, and then I'll step aside and allow somebody who knows what's going on to answer even the most basic of questions. So you bring Kirby out. Shouldn't need to bring Kirby out. What Kirby said was nothing spectacular, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing super confusing and technical that you really need to get into the weeds about. It's just that Karine Jean-Pierre is particularly terrible at her job. But she's historic, so you don't really have to worry about anything. She's totally, 100% completely historic. So kudos to her for being historic. But just a couple last things about this. We look weak compared to China. And maybe we are. That's probably the scariest part, is that we could well be this weak. We are dependent upon China for a huge part of our economy. Huge part of our economy. Maybe it's more so than we're led to believe. Maybe we have to suck up to China in times like this because we just have to, which is even more pathetic. But I think it has more to do with the fact that we have a doddering old fool whose family has made a fortune from China, meaning he's earned 10% of that, and he's scared to death that he could be exposed as having made a fortune 
through China, meaning that the President of the United States may well be compromised when it comes to our biggest geopolitical threat. If we'd had an honest media, we would have explored this. They would have explored this. They would have noticed that hey, Hunter Biden flew over there with Joe when he was vice president and took a whole bunch of business meetings and came away with uh, $1.2 billion to play with and invest. Something he's not known for, something he'd never done before. He just set it up with some friends and got the money. And I might be curious, why did he get the money? And how can Joe claim not to know? Why didn't anybody have a serious interview with Joe Biden about this in any way, shape, or form during the campaign or since, saying, why was it that when you went to China in 2015 or whatever it was, and your idiot crack-addicted son comes with you, you didn't have any questions about why he wanted to come with you? It's not that he just, oh, you know what? He wanted to go see the Forbidden City. He really wanted some, he really likes the Kung Pao chicken over there in Beijing. It wasn't that, you had no curiosity as to why your son went over to China. Why your son waved off his Secret Service detail so that he could have meetings with high-ranking government officials. You never bothered to think about it. At that point, your son was smoking a lot of crack. Your son had uh, not a good guy. You could say he's the smartest man you ever met, but he's not a particularly trustworthy guy. You didn't find it a bit curious, even worthy of inquiry as to why your son decided to come with you on this trip. Out of the blue. No? Nothing. But... He knew exactly what was going on. I believe he met with uh, some of the people that uh, Hunter was meeting with. And if you, even still, if you roll into a communist Chinese government, or any government really, on Air Force Two, and you're not, you know, you're, you're the son of the vice president, the implications are all right there for the whole world to see. Like, hey, this is pretty sketchy we're going to get access to the vice president as well this is great this is wonderful this is going to be awesome we're going to be taken care of that's the only reason anybody should meet with hunter biden he brings nothing else to the table he's the smartest man joe biden's ever met which isn't saying much he's, he's the tallest midget i've ever seen congratulations we're supposed to believe that and now we have this situation where the administration is pussyfooting around China? There's a legitimate question to be asked. Is the president compromised? Unfortunately, there's nobody out there, except for maybe Peter Ducey, to ask that question. And if he does, you watch, if you ever watch Peter Ducey ask a question, and you sit there and you go, that's a pretty good question. I'd like to, most of the time, not all the time, nobody's perfect, but you sit there and you watch him ask the question, you watch the exchange with Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic. You'll see next to him uh, Kirsten Welker, Kristen or Kirsten Welker, I don't know which it is. She's from NBC News. She's their White House correspondent. You want to see everything that's wrong with the media, watch Welker's response to the exchanges that Ducey has with Jean-Pierre. She's wearing an N95 mask constantly because, I don't know, she's only been boosted 17 times or something like that, and you can't be too safe. She's wearing a big old mask on her face, but her eyes tell the tale. 
She looks at Peter Ducey like he just ripped an incredibly loud fart. And he's ignoring it, and it smells. That's the way she looks at him. That is the different world that these people live in. There is no question that there are at least questions that should be asked about the President of the United States, his son and his brother, and their dealings with China and their financial ties to the communist regime in China. Yet nobody's going to ask it. Because if you do, or you even ask anything that is beyond the pre-approved concepts of questions, you get looked at by everybody in that room as a fart. The only way to really get answers out of a White House, the only way to really ever get any answers out of the White House is, you know, forgive the term, but it has to be a coordinated attack. It has to be a coordinated attack, meaning there's one reporter who asks a question, then there's another reporter who asks a question, then there's another reporter that asks a question, all on the same topic. They're all digging for it. Peter Ducey is a, an island unto himself. Nobody else in the media seems to give a damn. They're not going to get any answers out of it, which means that we get screwed and the Bidens get rich and they get away with it. So as all this unfolds, this drama with Nancy Pelosi, it has to be seen through that lens because nobody bothers to talk about that lens. There are questions to be asked that are deliberately not asked that begs the question even more. But we're never going to get it asked, not from these corrupt people. I want to shift away from Nancy Pelosi and the starting of World War Three. Actually, more like the surrendering of the United States preemptively, not the start of World War III. I don't want war, but my God, I'd like somebody to go, eh, no, not even going to happen. We're going to do what we got to do, and we're going to do tough, all right, tough. Don't go looking for a fight. Don't go asking for a fight. But don't walk around like a beat dog going, to, please don't touch me. I'm scared of everything. Because then you just look pathetic. And what happens? You embolden a whole bunch of other of our enemies. But then again, when you elect somebody who's senile and seemingly agrees with the goals of our enemies, i.e. the destruction of the United States of America, you sort of begin to see the problem. <clears throat> anyway, I want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, let me close this stupid thing. This situation over in the UK. And race and how it impacts. It's over here, too. It's everywhere, really. Progressives are progressives wherever they are, and they are progressives first and foremost. And anything else they are, anything else they are, a distant, distant second. So whatever the hell they are, they are uh, always leftists. He's sitting there, the the UK. Let me see what uh, the official tournament was. Because last week we had the uh, rugby team in the UK voting whether or not, I don't know, I have to look up the results, but they were saying maybe we don't want men competing against women. And you, you sit there and you go, okay, what the, the hell is going on in the UK? There's a lot. So there is a tournament over in Europe all the time. They're constantly playing soccer. And there's all different types of tournaments and everything. And they win, they won it. They won the European Championship. And it's the first time in decades that the UK, England, I guess, are different. 
that England has won anything, right? So they're very, very excited over there. That they're, they're called the Lionesses that they won. And there was a big photo shoot, was a, not a big photo shoot, but a, a big Daily Mail story about how, um, how the girls on the team were super sexy and they, they only picked some of them. Some of them are good looking. Others, you know, soccer players. But it doesn't matter. It didn't take 48 hours from their victory to the PC police coming in and making sure that all joy, any joy, was sucked out of it. It's what the left does is they just suck the joy and life out of everything. So then you sit there and you start, that starts like this. This is a headline from the UK Daily Mail. But the lionesses are the lazy ones, colon, fans slam calls to change England's women's football team's sexist lionesses nickname, pointing out in the animal kingdom the female beasts do the hunting while the males sleep. Imagine having that much time on your hands. And we, we do. We have people in this country who have that much time on their hands. There are people who have dedicated the last 10 years to getting the Washington Redskins to change their name to the Guardians. They're all white. They're all white liberals. All the Native Americans are going, we don't care. But this is actually nice. It's nice to be recognized. It's, nice. it's like a tribute. It's an honor. But the whitey goes, no, no, you don't understand. You just don't get how offensive this is. We must protect you that white savior complex and it's everywhere and it's in everything it's not just for uh for human beings it's for animals too and it's for sexism it's for women the women must be protected these delicate with these women just kicked ass over there in this tournament right they just won it all and the so-called fans they're not fans there are so many people in sports media who just despise sports it's one of the things you, if you actually look at sports media you pick up a copy of Sports Illustrated, and you pick up a copy of The Atlantic, and you'd be hard-pressed to spot the difference between the two. There might actually be more sports coverage in The Atlantic than there is in Sports Illustrated nowadays. The story, fans of the England women's football team today expressed fury over suggestions their lioness nickname was sexist, pointing out the animals in the wild are the more powerful than their male counterparts. How about you all just get over it? Serena Wegman's side made it to the final in the Euro 2022 at Wembley on Sunday, but not all supporters are keen on how the team are referred to in reports of their skillful displays. Now, this was written before they'd won. They were already grousing. In a discussion about the game on BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour, (laughs) women need to be protected. Women can do anything. Women uh, can do it. Well, no, we must have a separate hour for women because women can't do anything. Well, how about you just be good at, at radio, be good at sports, be good at whatever, and people will pay attention because you're good, not because of which bathroom you use. No, 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 that's sexist. We need, we're all equal and everybody needs to be together, but now men get out. It's women only. But uh, let's see, the morning, this morning's guest, Tom Strebeck, branded the discussion embarrassing today, while Dame Maureen Lippman also waded into the debate, adding dazzling cheetahs, never mind lions, to their performance. It's hard to take it seriously. Even the people involved in the discussion can't take it seriously. But progressives are progressives first. They see somebody having fun and they must, they must defecate on it. 
So then you go after their victory to the BBC, the BBC Sports Chick, which is one of many sports chicks at the BBC. She's standing there on camera, basking in the glory of this victory for these women. They're ecstatic. The team is not that big. How many people are on this team? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people. Eleven women make up this team. And rather than simply be happy for people having reached the uh, culmination of presumably their professional sports life, right there, right there, what does the BBC do? Liberals, progressives are progressives first and foremost. So you get this crap. It was an historic eight-goal victory for England last night as the Lionesses secured their place in the quarterfinals. But all starting 11 players and the five substitutes that came onto the pitch were all white. And that does point towards a lack of diversity in the women's game in England. And it's something that Alex Scott has been investigating. They've just been investigated. It's horrible. Horrible. Instead of getting the best players who did the best during the tryouts, they ought to be sitting there with a checklist of different ethnicities and saying, we'll only take one of this one and another one of that one and another one of this one. This is something that's been going on for a while. That was before the quarterfinals. Two, three weeks ago on July the 12th, Football 365, UK-obsessed football soccer thing. Headline, England women are superb but they are all white, colon, why, question mark, and should this be fixed, question mark? How do you fix it? What do you do? What's, how's it broken? First of all, how is it, well, they're all white, so what? But no, 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 there's only 11 people on the planet who get to be a part of this team. Are there set-asides? Are there? There seem to be people who desperately want that to be. On July 18th, the left-wing Guardian newspaper news thing out there, they had a piece, lack of diversity in England women's, women's squad will stop many girls from dreaming. Yeah, if you have really crappy parents, it might. If you have left-wing progressive parents who teach people, train their children, who groom them, dare I say, to not see individuals, to not think about people as individuals, but only look at them as their gender and their skin color, then maybe it will cause them to stop dreaming. But you know what? Something always will. Because you're bad parents. Bad parents cause bad children. They write, um, football is all about creating dreams, but even the most ambitious and imaginative young players require some initial inspiration. Before they can begin envisioning being part of a trophy-winning team or start dreaming about scoring goals galore, budding lionesses need role models to whom they can relate. And that's the essence of liberalism right there. If your skin color is different from somebody else's, you couldn't possibly identify with or relate to them at all in any way, shape, or form. At all. You don't exist. If you don't see somebody who looks exactly like you doing something, and you, if, if you idol, God forbid, if you idolize somebody who doesn't look like you, then you're a problem. You're culturally appropriating. If you're black, you got to like somebody who's black. If you're white, you got to like somebody who's white. But you shouldn't, if you're a racist, by the way, you should like somebody who's white. Otherwise, you'll be accused of cultural appropriation. But also, you'll be accused of being a racist because you, you idolize somebody who's white. If you're off-white, 
it's got to be somebody who roughly matches your skin tone or ethnicity, or otherwise you'll also be considered problematic. See, I'm problematic when I was a kid. I idolized two baseball players, Don Mattingly and Rod Carew. Rod Carew's black. He's not only black, he's Jewish. Oh, man. I didn't realize I was committing a hate crime, but I'm comfortable with that hate crime that I committed because these people are all sorts of evil, every type of evil that you can possibly imagine before they can envision being a part of a trophy-winning team. Blah, blah, blah. They need role models to whom they can relate. See, a normal human being relates to somebody with a similar background or similar style, or it's just something you like about them. You don't really sit there and you go, I would like, I would like Johnson, but he's black, so I can't really relate to him, so forget it. But what if Johnson grew up pretty wealthy and the white kid sitting there trying to beat themselves up over their white privilege grew up uh, middle or lower middle class? Maybe Johnson couldn't relate to that. It doesn't matter. Johnson is oppressed, born to a family that is very, very wealthy, well-to-do, went to the private schools, had all the advantages in life over the white kid whose family didn't. It's so damn stupid. It's so sickening. It's so pathetic. It's so progressive. Then you got this one from uh, The Voice UK. All white lionesses, quote, stop black girls from dreaming about playing for England. <laughs> really? Is it? Stop black. Oh, you know what? I really wanted to. I really love playing soccer. But there was nobody who looked like me on that team, so I'm now quitting, and I'm going to pick up hard drugs. I'm going to start doing all sorts of hard drugs. I'm going to hang out with Hunter Biden and snort crack off the cleavage of prostitutes. I don't know if that's right or not, but I'm going to do it because there is nobody who is off-white on this team. <sighs> the story. A uh, women's football expert Packed pundit and reporter, Ilihidit, I don't know how that, E-I-L-I-D-H, Barber. She is, or he is, I don't know what the hell, off-white. After she received a backlash for observing that the Lionesses were all white, the England's women's team reached the European Championship final on Tuesday after beating Sweden 4-0. But Barber's comments about the lack of diversity while contemplating uh, on the BBC prompted over 200 complaints from the public. Quote, the England all-whites, as the lionesses are becoming known, were also criticized by former player Anita Asante, who wrote that the lack of diversity in England's women's squad will stop many black girls from dreaming of putting on the Three Lions shirt. Tough. Tough. You have bad. If that impacts your dreams and your hopes, you are a bad. If that of your child, you are a bad parent. You're a bad parent. Period. Women's football expert Rodney Cyrus, who runs the podcast on and off the pitch, backed Barber, saying, "Quote: I welcome Barber's comments. She could see what we could see, and she said it." I wasn't surprised at the reaction to her comments. Anyone who puts forward an alternative view and talks about sports and its lack of inclusivity are hit with race has gone, has got nothing to do with it. 
but it does have a lot to do with it. Everyone talks about how diverse this country is, but why are we not seeing it here? There are two black players in the squad, but they are not getting selected and they are not playing. Maybe they're not good enough. Hear me out, you racist piece of crap. They just won the tournament. They won the championship. That means they're the best. They didn't do that by accident. They didn't do that by putting substandard players out there. Look, uh, these white girls suck at soccer compared to these black girls who are on the team but not dressed. I'm not going to dress them, though. I'm going to put the team that sucks out there, and then we're going to win. Nope. You might as well just have coaching decisions made by skin color. You have a little slide rule on the side. Everybody puts their forearm out there and says, all right, we need one of this one. We need one of that one. We need one of the other one. And that's it. When I say leftists are evil, I only say that because leftists are evil. Since we're talking about race, and in this time, the UK, but it's always here. Progressives are progressive. It doesn't matter what nationality they are, what color they are, what country they're in. They are always leftists. They always despise liberty. They despise the individual. They hate you. Get used to it. Accept it. Return the favor if you must. Um, But uh, always, always vote accordingly. There is a, a race, a Senate race, down in the state of Georgia. It is between the Reverend Raphael Warnock. It's always... Cracks me up when reverends are divorced. When reverend, when I, just, I, I, I'm Catholic. I grew up Catholic-ish. We didn't really grow up super religious, but for me, whenever I hear like, well, he's the reverend and he's married and he's got his wife and his kids, it always seems weird to me because my mindset, the extent that I have one, is on the subject is that you know the 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 guy at the pulpit, yeah, he shouldn't be married. He should be married to God, and that's about it. I know it's antiquated and whatever, but, you know, I, I like my religion antiquated. I like my tradition. Like, now, I, the guy in the the open-collared shirt playing guitar, singing and talking about his wife and his kids down there and they put the big hair and Aquanet everywhere and a, a hole in the ozone above there. Nah, not, that's not for me. I'm looking at Joel Osteen. If Joel Osteen is your cup of tea, then he's your cup of tea, not my cup of tea. Uh, not even a liquid that I'm interested in. I, I just don't like, I don't particularly care for individuals who get rich that way. But um, and it's just, it's weird, weirds me out. It's the Catholic upbringing. But Raphael Warnock, the Reverend Warnock, it's funny, leftists are always like, get your religion out of my politics, get out of here. And then they go, well, this guy, he's all right with us. And you go, how, how is that? He's an actual reverend, allegedly. How are you cool with that? Well, because he's a progressive first. Progressives are progressives first. Anything else, they're a distant second. So you say, well, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm to preach the Bible. Let's uh, don't worry about premarital sex. Go ahead and knock yourself out. Go, go crazy. And if you get pregnant, abortions for everybody. Taxpayer-funded abortions. You go, wait a second. What, what religion is that? Uh, that's, uh, it's the good one. It's the one that has, uh, all those parties on the weekends. It's awesome. Where, where does it say 
I don't know, I'm not judging you. You're the one who's got to explain it to God. But just out of curiosity, where in the Bible is it talking about, you know, let's let's get pregnant and have abortions because God makes a lot of mistakes? Where is that? They never want to... It's like Al Sharpton. He's a reverend. Where's your church, reverend? I want to go to your service on Sunday. Well, I don't really have a church. And if you try to get into my doormanned building, security will beat holy hell out of you. My driver, my security guards, and... My accountant will all make sure you don't get anywhere near me. Huh. Man of God, huh? That just seems weird. I mean, I get it. I've known some people and had some friends who got uh, their certificate or whatever so they could perform, uh, not abortions, so they could perform weddings and whatnot. I, I don't really consider them to be a spiritual guide. It's not somebody where I'm like, hey, uh, hey, Tony. Uh, I'm having an existential crisis here. I need, I need some counseling. What would God say? Like, I don't know, dude. Just pass me the bong and shut up. <laughs> so yeah, that's the way I look at Raphael Warnock. Your girlfriend, your wife says you you really love the ladies, and uh, I don't know if that's super godly, Raphael. But he's Reverend Warnock when it matters. He's a Democrat when uh, the chips are down. Because he's a Democrat, whenever they need him, he is a loyal Democrat, no matter what it is. All those reverends out there who um, put, I don't know, paying for transition surgery, again, because God makes mistakes, apparently, in the minds of leftists. Whatever. believe You're the one who's got to justify it. But the left loves Raphael Warnock because he's black and he's a Democrat. He's up against... Herschel Walker, who's black and a conservative. Since he's a conservative, the black part doesn't count, really. The black part can be weaponized. And by anybody, you can say all the, all, every leftist out there who really just, you scratch a progressive and you find a racist. That's not, even the, even the black progressives, they're racist. Why? Because they look at somebody and they make the judgment by their skin color, no matter what it is. Say, oh, well, you're, you're this way, you should think this way, and if you don't, you're some sort of sellout. You're black. If you don't vote for Democrats, or as Joe Biden said, if you ain't for me or you don't know if you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. <laughs> well, on MSNBC over the weekend, a guy named Ellie Mistal, who looks like a crazy white-haired Fat Albert. It, well, he looks like Fat Albert if he let himself go. Did Fat Albert let himself go? If Cosby was drawing Fat Albert while he'd accidentally taken a quaalude himself, is what Ellie Mistal looks like. He looks like uh, he looks like Bill Cosby roofied Doc Brown from Back to the Future. That's what he looks like. And they had a kid. He's on with Tiffany Cross, who is a vile racist. It's amazing to me that. MSNBC simply, they don't care. The racism that can be spewed on that network, they don't care. It's blatant, it's obvious, it's it's celebrated. Like, there's nobody over at MSNBC who sits there and looks at this crap and goes, I, I don't want to be a part of this. I can't be a part. This is, this is the antithesis of everything that it is to be an American. This is gross. This is damaging. And no, nobody gives a damn. Anyway, Ellie Mistal went after Herschel Walker, he calls him the N-word, not the N-N-word. He calls him uh, a Negro. He calls him, well, listen to it for yourself.
be a close election in Georgia because Walker is has the backing of the Republicans. Now you ask, why are Republicans backing this man who's so clearly unintelligent, who so clearly doesn't have independent thoughts? But that's actually the reason. Walker's right. going to do what he's told. And that's what Republicans like. That's what Republicans want from their Negroes to do what they're told. And Walker presents exactly as a person who lacks independent thoughts, lacks an independent agenda, lacks an independent ability to grasp policies. That's what's so stupid. He's just so stupid. He thinks that uh, Democrats aren't there to help black people, whereas the last 50, 60 plus years in Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago... Los Angeles, New York, St. Louis, you name it, really. It hasn't really worked out well, the blind loyalty of black voters to Democrats. Wait a second. What? Yeah. Oh, hey, it's a bunch of garbage. It's a bunch of racism. Look at the skin color. How are you supposed to vote? This is how you're supposed to vote. And if you don't, you're an idiot. You don't really know what's going on. And you're just doing what Republicans want you to do. That's why Republicans like you, is you do exactly what the white people tell you to do. Which, just for the sake of gits and shiggles, for fun, let's look at what Ellie Mistal, who we've played a lot on this show, and Tiffany Cross, who we played a lot of on this show, they're usually together. Ellie will then go on Joy Reid's shows, another racist leftist. And pretty much every guest on MSNBC, to be perfectly honest with you, what are they on the network for? What are these black guests and hosts on the network for? Is it their deep-rooted, long history of independent thought and the realization of their uh, thought processes that lead them to conclusions that are completely independent of the Democratic Party? No. They are there for their expressed blind loyalty to the progressive movement, unquestioningly, no matter what it is. They are down with the cause. They will do what they are told. What Ellie Mistal, who works for The Nation magazine, is saying there is making really a condemnation of himself and the host. Because if either one of them ever had an original thought that was not required of them by the party, by the white progressive establishment, they would cease being useful. They would cease being useful and you wouldn't see them on that network again. It's the simple fact of the matter. So what Ellie Mistal is advocating there, what he is condemning there, is he is condemning himself. He's condemning the host, Tiffany Cross. He's condemning... MSNBC, when was the last time you saw a, a conservative, a real conservative up there? But uh, dare I say an off-white conservative. When was the last time you saw an off-white conservative on MSNBC? The answer, I'll save you the Google keystrokes, is never. Never. It doesn't happen. Michael Steele, I suppose, would be the closest thing you could come to, but all he does is bitch about Republicans. So I'm not really sure that he counts as a conservative. So as you listen to these people, as you watch these people, recognize who and what they are and who and what they're doing. 
It's not just, you know, Democrats are always doing what they accuse Republicans of doing. And this is a shining example of that case. If Ellie Mistal were capable of independent thought, he would lose his job at the nation if he strayed from the Democrat Party thought plantation. And he would never be booked on MSNBC again. Tiffany Cross, if she if, if Ellie Mistal had said, you know what? Herschel Walker is uh, is an all right guy, and he's it's, it's a tough race, and I wish them both well, and the voters of Georgia will decide. Tiffany Cross would probably look blankly into the camera and go, "Wait a second, producers, what can we should we dump that?" You'd be better off and be better received if you just started screaming the f word on MSNBC than if you spoke about black conservatives in a way that treated them like an individual sentient human being. Just a fact of the matter. So Herschel Walker got up and he decided to record a response because nobody on MSNBC, upon hearing that, basically saying, look, he's a house Negro. What are you going to do? Republicans like the black people who know their place, said the party who makes sure that everybody has their place and stays in it. The party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow. Upon hearing that, and nobody at MSNBC coming in and saying, wait a second, this is ridiculous, Herschel Walker decided to respond. He did so with, what is the word I'm looking for? It's something that uh, when you talk about MSNBC, you never, ever, ever think of. Oh, yes, class and dignity. Those are the words I'm looking for. Good morning. You know, a lot of people have been asking me to say something about the man on MSNBC that called me the N-word. Here's what I got to say about that. Shame on MSNBC and shame on him. I'm going to pray for both of them because they need Jesus. When I saw what he said, it reminded me of the differences between myself and my opponents. Senator Warnock and the left wing crazy that believe America is fundamentally a bad country full of racist people. They want to divide us, turn us against each other. We have our problems but we can solve them together. You know, this is a good country, full of good people. With God's help, we're going to bring the people of Georgia back together. Let's make this a great day. God bless. Taking the high road, being classy. Now, what's funny here is, yes, does he, uh, does Herschel Walker exactly speak in the most uh, enunciated, clear English? No, he does not. But what do we hear from the left? Is you're not allowed to talk about that. You can't say that. It's not bad. Ebon- Remember when they tried to make Ebonics a thing? Ebonics, Ebonics, Ebonics. That matters. Ebonics. You're racist if you point that out. Okay. They're judging Herschel Walker based on the way he speaks. The way Herschel Walker speaks. Which is not a sign of intelligence. Ellie Mistal sits there and uses $3 words because he's got a word of the day calendar. That doesn't make him smart. Hell, I use $2.50 words. That doesn't make me smart either. It's what you say, not the words you use to say it. Yet they will attack Herschel Walker based off of the way that he speaks. His southern dialect. It's not an accent. Southern dialect. Plenty of white people go down the bayou and that's what you get. That's how my friend Brian, different Brian, is uh, from Baton Rouge. Sometimes he gets his 
New Orleans on? Is, is Louisiana on? You're like, dude, could you just write that down? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And he gets excited. Maybe had a few too many drinks. But he's a smart guy. You can't judge a book by its cover unless you're a leftist. And then it's all about the cover. Nobody bothers to read the book. There's Inside, it's just one word repeated over and over and over again. Obey, obey, obey. I shift gears a little bit here just about um, the economy. And the big plan. Joe Manchin, I still get this stuck in my crawl. Of how weaselly, whiny, phony, whatever you want to call it, Joe Manchin is. Right now he's a media darling. It's kind of funny because for the longest time, for all of this year, Joe Manchin was a monster. Joe Manchin was a problem. Joe Manchin was standing in the way of Joe Biden's agenda. That was the way it was portrayed as Joe Manchin. Uh, Joe Manchin was obstructing Democrats. Instead of, you know, Joe Manchin is doing his job and representing the people of West Virginia, it was Joe Manchin is the problem. God, that Joe Manchin. Why won't he do it? Why won't he do this, that, and the other thing? And you sit there and you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. He's just just taking care of his constituents. And then he sells out, all part of an underhanded deal with Chuck Schumer, sells out. And suddenly he's the hero. And they turn their eyes to what? Kirsten Cinema. Cinema. Is she going to be the one who stands in the way of the Democrats' agenda of Joe Biden's administration getting a major victory? It's really kind of weird, the framing of this. They frame it as though this is an obligation you have to do in order... If you're a Democrat, you have to serve the agenda. You have to serve the president. The president of your party, if you have a majority, gets their way. It doesn't matter. Shut your mouth and do your job. Now, juxtapose that, if you will, just for a moment. With the way that John McCain was portrayed when he voted against Obamacare. Donald Trump ran on getting rid of Obamacare. He did. Uh... Every Republican, pretty much in Congress, even John McCain, ran for re-election to the United States Senate under the guise of he will get rid of repeal and replace Obamacare. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. You got the repeal. You got the replace. They're right there. One bill. They got the reconciliation all set up. And John McCain walks in and goes, thumbs down. Not interested. And it's like, how was John McCain then portrayed by the media as subverting Donald Trump's agenda, of subverting the party's agenda, of causing all sorts of... No, he wasn't. He was heralded as a hero. My God, that John McCain. He is a... Uh, he's a renegade. That's who John McCain is. He's a... We don't throw around the word hero very often, but boy, howdy. It really applies to John McCain. Not for his military service. They throw that in there. They ignore his military service when he's not helping Democrats, and they just attack him personally. In 2008, his military service was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy's a hero, but he's also Hitler. You know, yeah, he's a hero because he spent some time in prison, but he's also Hitler. So we can't overlook the part where he's Hitler because he's Hitler, right? 
and then he loses and he starts going back against republicans and he's 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 such a hero he's so wonderful whereas kirsten cinema is the question is will she stand in the way of democrats not will she stand up for what she's been saying all along is the right thing none of that there's no question about that there's no framing of it that way it's just straight up will she obstruct joe biden's agenda my god will she or won't she well don't know will she or won't she does it matter is it really joe biden's agenda does she have an obligation to serve joe biden was she elected by the people of arizona to serve joe biden i don't think i mean joe biden probably would would like that kirsten cinema is an attractive woman with a nice head of hair i'm sure he would love for her to serve him in whatever capacity his sick mind cooks up but that is not my understanding of how the united states senate is supposed to function last i checked granted it's been a while since I've checked. Maybe I need to check again. But to hear the media portray it, she is standing in his way. She's standing in his way. She is. She runs risk of obstructing, obstructing Joe Biden's agenda. I swear to God, that's how they're framing it. That's how the liberal media works. CNN story all eyes turn to cinema as democrats face week a week that could transform biden's presidency all eyes turn to that doesn't make any sense but it's the framing it's not always the picture sometimes it's just the frame democrats this week have a chance to validate their monopoly on political power in washington to validate it validate it creating a legacy of true significance for President Joe Biden and even boost their hopes in daunting midterm elections in three months. This is a news story up at CNN. Stephen Collinson is the name of the Democrat stenographer. But first, they must push back from the dead climate and health care initiatives through the Senate using their tiny majority, notably by locking in the crucial vote of moderate Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, who has yet to sign off on a bill that may not save Democrats in November, but may at least give them a big new win to run on. That's what they're desperate about. But now they're worried. The Hill newspaper Democrat anxiety grows over cinema's silence. <sighs> Senate Democrats are growing more anxious over Maverick Senator Kirsten Cinema five days silence in a sweeping proposal to reform the tax code, tackle climate change, and reduce the federal deficit. It's going to tackle climate change, is it? So if we pass this piece of crap garbage that just gives you know massive subsidies to wealthy people to buy electric vehicles we can stop hearing you people whine about climate change then for a while because we've tackled it no no we won't that's not how it works democrats are never done democrats get what they want and then what do they do they immediately start saying well now we need more we've done this is a good first step we gotta tackle more Wait, we just nope, it's a good first step. Now we gotta tackle more. This is actually like the twelfth step. Yeah, but we gotta we gotta do more. 
Democratic lawmakers are privately worried that Sinema is not happy about being left out of the negotiations between Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and centrist Senator Joe Manchin. He's just a centrist. you got to love the labels they've put on these things. Name one single time that Joe Manchin was the difference maker against his party's progressive wishes. Name one time. You could say, well, he stopped the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is in this bill. He's not stopping it. He's not stopping it. He just wanted to make sure that uh, it was on his terms when he sold out the country, that it was in the best terms for him personally. His wife got a sweetheart government appointment from Joe Biden, and then you needed some time to pass. You couldn't immediately turn around on a dime. You don't You don't cash the check, the bribe check. You don't deposit the cash into your bank account and then immediately go, now nah, I've changed. You got to have some semi-plausible deniability. You got to give it some room to breathe so that when you say it has nothing to do with that, you can pretend you actually mean it. And the media will go, all right, well, then if he says it has nothing to do with it, they'll play along. The news of the deal, which surfaced hours after the Senate passed a $280 billion microchips and science bill, outraged Republican senators, several of whom have a close relationship with Cinema. Cinema's office said last week that she would carefully review the legislation before stating a position on it, leaving her Democratic colleagues anxiously waiting. Now, it's terrifying. It's telling, actually. That Democrats are terrified over the prospect of somebody wanting to see a piece of legislation, even if she doesn't want to see it, saying that she wants to see a piece of legislation. The legislation hadn't been written yet. When Joe Manchin agreed to the legislation with Chuck Schumer, there was no legislation written. There's nothing to agree to. Oh, we got the concept. I support this bill. What's the bill number, Senator? Well, there's no bill number because there's no bill. But that's beside the point. I support this piece of legislation. Based off of what? Based off of a series of pinky swears that uh, Chuck Schumer gave me because everybody knows there is no more honest man in all of Washington, D.C. than Chuck Schumer, right? You begin to see that maybe this is all kabuki theater. That maybe Joe Manchin isn't the moderate he claims to be. Maybe it was all a fraud and PR. They get this deal on the microchips bill and immediately Democrats come out and say, we got a deal on something else too. Oh, wait a second, what? If you're doing something you're proud of, there's no reason to do it in private. There's no reason to keep it from everybody else, especially somebody in your own party. It tells you something about the way Democrats govern. They want to vote on this piece of legislation, trillions of dollars over time. They want to vote on it this week, if they can, if not next week. Still hasn't been written. Still has been no Congressional Budget Office score, meaning how much they predict it will cost. No interest in that whatsoever. They don't want that. Why? Because they're afraid. It'll cost you if people start looking at this thing and going, my God, that's a lot of zeros. My God, this is, you're going to be giving people making $400,000 a year, $7,500 tax credits, subsidies, subsidies from you and me. Are you making $400,000 a year? I doubt you are. I'm not. 
if you're you're doing that, you're going to be giving those people seventy five hundred dollars to buy an electric vehicle, seventy five hundred dollars. Now, somebody making thirty thousand dollars a year would also qualify for that seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. But what do you think the odds of somebody making thirty five thousand dollars a year being able to afford a fifty thousand dollar electric vehicle? Because you get it at the bargain basement price of $42,500 with the taxpayer subsidy. Probably not many people are going to spend more than their annual salary on a vehicle. On a vehicle that if after five years the battery dies, you've got to drop another twenty grand to replace the battery. Or if it gets too cold in the winter and maybe you, your heater in the car didn't work or whatever it is, and you, you need a new battery, it's going to cost you another twenty grand to do it. And oh, by the way, you got to put an electric charger vehicle thing into your house. And if you rent an apartment, good luck finding a place for that. And oh, by the way, it, if you, you really need the super expensive charger, unless you've got overnight to charge your car, so on and so forth. How many people making thirty-five dollars or $50,000 a year are going to be able to afford that? So those subsidies are for whom? They are for the rich. They are for the wealthy. They can say they're for everybody. Technically, everybody qualifies for them. But who would be able to avail themselves of it? It is the wealthy. It is the Democrat Party donor. So I want you to listen to this. This is Heather Bushy. She is on the Council of Economic Advisors for the president. There's a whole lot of couching of things. There's a whole lot of qualifiers in this and talking because this whole bill is supposed to be fighting inflation, it's supposed to be helping people. That's why Joe Manchin is in favor of it, because it's going to cut inflation. It's not going to do anything bad. It's going to do only bad things. And it's going to nominally make inflation worse over the course of 10 years, according to independent economic analyses, not the Congressional Budget Office. Listen to her try and explain that away. Uh, University of Pennsylvania, Warden School, uh, doing a measure of this Inflation Reduction Act says, actually, it's not much of a reduction act at all. In fact, it may increase inflation marginally. Well, you know, economists have um, various models. You know, one of the things that we see is that they do not say that it's going to increase inflation. There's also new data coming out from Moody's.com this morning, from Mark Zandi, where he's uh, already indicated that his model actually does show that it will lean into inflation reduction. And here's the thing. Core parts of this legislation are going to give significant relief to families by continuing to extend the subsidies to health care through the Affordable Care Act. That, that will certainly help families that are struggling with costs. Giving the government the ability to negotiate over prescription drugs, that's going to help families with costs. And, of course, all of the energy investments that are going to provide rebates to families who are looking to make that transition to clean energy, this legislation is going to lower those energy costs over time, make them less volatile. So it's difficult to imagine that this bill does not significantly support family economic security and help families cope with the high costs of living. <laughs> that sounds like a great sales pitch. It's going to help, you know, rich people buy electric cars. And Moody's says that it will uh, it will have a, a, an impact on inflation. You know what? It'll be point. I think the number is point two percent decrease in inflation in nine years. I, there you go. The insider 
which is part of Business Insider. You got to love the way they frame this. The liberal media is the liberal media, no matter what their headline. Mansion-backed Inflation Reduction Act is likely to live up to its name, Moody's Economist says. Ooh, ah. Nominal impact in nine years over inflation and nominal impact on, let's see, the measure will have, quote, a material beneficial impact even if its effect on inflation is modest. Huh. The uh, act will also boost economic growth slightly by 2031, the Moody's team added. Oh, it'll impact, it'll cause economic growth slightly by 2031. Well, why didn't you, why'd you bury the lead like that? Problem solved, right? Hide your wallets, ladies and gentlemen, as with everything Democrats try to pass and don't want you to read, it doesn't do anything they claim it does. All right, in the limited time we have left, I want to talk about the hypersensitivity of the left and how no matter how revered you are by the left and no matter how obedient you are to the left and no matter what you provide to the left you're you have to be very few people will get a pass and beyonce doesn't run risk of being canceled but her apologies will be accepted if you're as a conservative or even a normal or a moderate American or an indifferent American and you sit there and you go, I, I have somehow offended the left and I am apologize. Don't apologize. Never apologize to the mob. You'll only embolden them. Wall Street Journal. Beyonce will change a lyric from her new album, Renaissance, a spokeswoman said after facing criticism from disability rights advocates that it includes a word that is offensive to people with a form of cerebral palsy. Now, how the hell does anybody know this? And who the hell has the time on their hands to be able to run around and go, I need to listen to every lyric in this album. I don't know what the song, I've not listened to the song. I have no interest in listening to the song. I am not a fan of Beyonce. I, uh, I think she's wildly overrated. Not Bruce Springsteen level overrated or Bon Jovi overrated, but overrated like you probably third. Um, she has an army of fans who get wildly offended if you say that, look, she's just, she's fine. That's just not for me. I don't care for her. Her uh, politics are repugnant to me. I don't want to give her any money for that. I also, like, her husband cheated on her and she stuck with him, which I suppose is good, but I don't really go for that. She's just all around arrogant. She does not really write her own songs from what I've read. The lead singer and songwriter for Four Non Blondes, you can find this on your own if you care enough. She'd written a song that, you know, you want, if, you're, if you're a songwriter, you want Beyonce to cover your song because it'll make a ton of money. It'll sell a bunch of copies. It'll be on her album, even if it's not a single. It'll sell a bunch and you'll get a bunch of money. And the publishing rights alone, you'll, you'll, you'll get some, some nice FU money for a while. Well, Beyonce, apparently, according to this woman from Four Non Blondes, demands if she's going to do your song, she wants writing credit on it, whether she contributed to the writing on it or whatsoever. Sometimes she apparently changes a couple of words so that she can claim writing credit. And you sit there and you go, why the hell would I give you writing? George Harrison came up with the the guitar solos and Beatles songs and he didn't get writing credit. 
Ringo came up with the drumming in the song, and he didn't get writing credit. You think Paul and George or Paul and John are sitting there going, "No, no, no, this one and then this one." No, they all created the songs together, but they didn't get the writing credits because they didn't really write the song. They just added to it. They probably should have gotten some writing credits, but Beyonce demands it, or else she won't do your song. In which case, you're out, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So you go, all right, fine. I'll give you writing credit. You get a piece of the publishing action. So that's how she gets to make more money, through extortion. I guess if she's the brand, then you can do that. Well, now somebody's made somebody mad. It says, uh, quote, the word not used intentionally in a harmful way will be replaced, the spokeswoman said on Monday. She didn't say when the lyric change would take place. Now, could you imagine this is, what's the word? How is it? Renaissance released Friday as the highly anticipated seventh studio album from the Grammy Award winning blah, blah, blah. Disability advocates took issue with the song Heated, co-written with Drake and others. And others. How many people does it take to make a song? A lot, apparently, if you don't have a whole lot of talent on your own. And others, the song includes the term spaz, which advocates say is offensive to people with spastic diplegia, I don't know, a condition that causes muscle stiffness in the arms or legs. Beyonce's decision to remove the term comes weeks after Lizzo faced a controversy for including the same word in her song, girls, but it's, there's no I, it's just G-R-R-R-L-S. Because she probably doesn't know how to spell it properly. The Grammy Award-winning singer and flutist released a new version of the song on all streaming platforms shortly after. I had no idea the term spaz meant anything, anything derogatory, because when I was a kid, it probably didn't. It's probably new. We have now monetized uh, offending, being offended, and so people are desperate to be offended, and they just create new and creative ways to do it. If I was Beyonce, I'd have told these people to get bent. It had nothing to do with that and get over yourselves, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. And uh, for good reason, she didn't, because apparently her uh, album is not selling all that much. Celebra- Showbiz 411. Beyonce is not having a great time right now. Her Renaissance album was released Thursday night and it has not been a wild success. Indeed, the album has faced a lot of criticism. The bigger news, Beyonce has not turned the lemons from Renaissance into lemonade. That was the title of her last album in 2016 and it sold 650,000 copies in its debut week. Renaissance is not going to come near that number. HitsDailyDouble.com is predicted today between... 275,000 and 315,000 copies. The number will fall on the low side. It's about a 60% decline in sales. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, maybe the, uh, couldn't happen to a more arrogant person, but maybe, just maybe, the American public is getting some taste in their mute. No. No. You listen to any of the crap that's popular today, it's much worse than anything Beyonce puts out. Beyonce just isn't my taste. The other stuff is literal garbage. But I do like to see these arrogant rich people who tell you how you should vote 
and how you must vote and cry racism and put out albums that are you know extolling the virtues of one race over another and that's a lot of what beyonce and jay-z do you know skin color this they're obsessed they're race obsessed races i do like to see them fail it couldn't happen to nicer more deserving people so good job america there's still like three hundred thousand of you out there who think these morons have talent I just, I don't know. I like my music with musical instruments. I'm old-fashioned that way. Call me crazy. Anyway, we're out of time for today. I do appreciate the use of your ears. Kudos to Nancy Pelosi today. Might be the last time I ever say that. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again because the news never stops. Neither will we. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.